Hello, Chavia Churches, and welcome to those joining us elsewhere too. This is Colin, and we worship together on this third Sunday of Epiphany. And we're drawing near to the end of the week of prayer for Christian unity. Just one or two announcements. There will be a funeral on Tuesday in Moor Battle at 1pm. That's a funeral of Sandy Williamson. Advance notice that the worship committee will meet on the 2nd of February. That's a week on Wednesday at 2pm. Also, the, the government has announced some easing of restrictions um, from the end of this month. Our call to worship. How good and how lovely it is to live together in unity. Unity is like the dew falling on holy mountains. With it comes God's blessing, life forevermore. And our opening hymn is a hymn 739, The Church's One Foundation. And thanks, as always, to Heather and Gordon. Let us pray for the richness of your creation, for different colours and scents, for different birds and animals, none the same, yet part of one creation. Generous God, we praise you. For the richness of your world, for different places and people, 
for different songs and stories. No person the same, yet part of one human family. Generous God, we praise you for the richness of our churches, for different gifts and skills, different songs and prayers. No congregation the same, yet part of one church. Generous God, we praise you. We praise you for creating a world of wonder and beauty, of diversity and difference. Your love and care for all that you have given and, and long that your world should know peace. Teach us then to live in harmony with you and our world. Teach us to love as you show love. God of grace and unity, we confess that we can be divisive when you call us to be one. We can be quarrelsome when you call us to seek peace, critical rather than caring. We've grown so used to our own ways. Forgive us. And forgive us when we mistake our familiar traditions for your truth. And show us how we can witness to your love through working and worshipping together. And Jesus came to bring good news to the poor and freedom to the oppressed. We live as loved and forgiven and free people through the grace of God. And now we join in our family prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Our first reading is from 1 Corinthians in chapter 12 and reading from verse 12. For just as a body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slave and free. We are made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot were to say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would, they would, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make, not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, what would the spent sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, and yet one body. Yeah, I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again to the head, to the feet, I have no need of you. The contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honourable, we clothe with greater honour. And our less respectable members are treated with great respect. Whereas our more respectable members do not need this. 
But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honour to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honoured, all rejoice together with it. Amen. And we turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, and reading from verse 14. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee. And a report about him spread throughout all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And then he began to say to them, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Amen. And the Lord bless to us these readings from his holy word. All praise be to God's name. The hymn 522, The Church is Wherever.
and we have our weekly prayer, let us pray. Faithful God, we thank you that we are an indispensable part of the body of your church. Help us as we start the week ahead to walk more closely with you at our side, save in the knowledge that your fatherly love and care knows no bounds. Amen. I feel tremendously privileged in my ministry to have been involved with so many different people in so many different places, even around the world. But I have one small regret. It's not a big one, but I'm conscious of it. I never have preached in the village that I grew up in. As a student, I preached in many congregations within Air Presbytery, but never in Ochenleck. I feel sorry about that. And so I'm always a little bit envious of Jesus having that opportunity to preach in the home place of worship. That said, if we go on with the reading, as we will next week, we'll discover that the congregation's reaction was to try to throw Jesus over a cliff. So maybe it's as well not to go back. A prophet is never welcomed in their hometown, etc., etc. Jesus had been driven by the Spirit into the desert, and there he had been tempted. He'd had this time away, a time to reflect on what his ministry would be like. And he came back to Galilee refreshed, invigorated, full of the Spirit. And look in his gospel as Jesus preached in his hometown of Nazareth. And as I mentioned last week, first things matter. And for Luke, this preaching set the whole tone of Jesus' ministry. For he preached from Isaiah 61 about the Spirit anointing him to bring good news to the poor and release to the captive sight to the blind and freedom to the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of God's favour, the year of Jubilee, where there would be an evening up. And for Luke, this was Jesus' manifesto. This was what Jesus thought was important. Jesus had been in Nazareth, and it was a Sabbath, and so he went to synagogue as was his custom. And there he was given the opportunity to read and to preach. From the, the reading in Luke, he, it seems he wasn't given much warning about him. No one had approached him beforehand, and so he had to think in his feet. One commentator I looked at assumed that this was the first time he preached in Nazareth, but I wouldn't think so. He grew up there. He was now 30, obviously very gifted. I would have thought he'd been given the opportunity to preach there before. But nonetheless, people would have been excited to hear him. He was one of their own. They knew him. They knew his family. He was given the scroll to read. There were no books. And the scriptures would have been written on a series of scrolls. When I was living in Tiberias, archaeologists had discovered the ruins of a synagogue at Magdala, right on the, the Sea of Galilee. And amid all their discoveries was a stone table. And on that table were the grooves 
to place the scrolls, the scroll of the day. And it was exciting because this synagogue was from the time of Jesus. It was exciting to imagine Jesus preaching there and being given the scroll, just as he was in Nazareth. Jesus preached, and his message was not only about what God demanded, as who needed the attention and compassion of God and of God's people. Jesus had grown up with Exodus. He'd grown up with Deuteronomy. He'd grown up with all the prophets. And in these, God was speaking out for the poor and for the unseen, for the afflicted and the rejected, those who were overwhelmed, those on the margin. God's salvation was for everyone and no one was excluded. And that was encapsulated in Isaiah 61, especially with the announcement of the year of God's favour where debts would be cancelled and wrongs made right and a sharing of all God's bountiful gifts. For Luke, that was Jesus' priority and he lifted out in his ministry. Jesus was with the blind, he was with the desperate, he was with the grieving. And he speaks of God's desire that people live in total rightness and in full humanity. Jesus places himself right in the middle of God's agenda for the world. And what's more, he calls us as his followers to ask who needs attention, who needs compassion in our world today and seek to address it. He calls us to embrace his manifesto of liberation and hope for all. In the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The hymn 263, God of Freedom, God of Justice.
Let us pray. Creator God, you made each one of us in our uniqueness and together all of us bear your image in the world. Accept our gifts, unique as they are, and bless them for the sake of your Son, Jesus. God of life and love, you created us and set us in relationship one with another, in families and neighbourhoods, in churches and communities, in cultures and nations. We give you thanks for the rich gift of arts and culture, of home life and the community celebration, spring meaning and encouragement to our lives. Help us to contribute our gifts to the traditions and to the imagination that sustains the best of our common life from one generation to the next. God of mercy and forgiveness, you call us to live together in peace and unity. In this week of prayer for Christian unity, we pray that your spirit will create understanding and cooperation among all who bear Christ's name. Help us to share our gifts with one another so that our churches within our community may flourish and our common mission will find you energy after months of challenge. Lead us to reach out to those of other faiths and of no faith so that together we may be a blessing in the world that you love. God of justice and mercy, we pray for the world you love, the world Christ died to redeem, so deeply divided by religious and political animosities, by ancient bitterness and current conflict. Encourage world leaders to work for peace and understanding, especially in places torn for vi by violence. And so we think of Ukraine at this time, we think of Tonga recovering from the, the tsunami. We think of areas still struggling with the effects of the pandemic, of areas struggling with poverty and hunger. May the hope of Christ embody, that Christ embodies, encourage us all to work for positive change. And in a moment of silence, we remember those of our community, our congregation, and those whom we know who are in need of your special attention today. Use us as agents of your healing and hope, we pray. Amen. And our closing hymn is a hymn 511. Your hand, O God, has guided.
And now go in peace, carrying the good news to the world, news of freedom from oppression and healing for the afflicted. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Creator, Redeemer and Sustainer be with you this day and even forevermore. Amen. <laughs>